I've been busily gathering together all sorts of Halloween sound effects and songs to add to the WNCW library in anticipation of the big holiday on Tuesday, October 31st, as we dive into the holiday with all sorts of hates and haunts. That's what gave me the idea to go back into my archives of What It Is, the show that I started in 2007, which ran until 2012, original hosts Fred Mills, Jeff Eason, and pretty soon after, Carol Rifkin are featured in a special edition of Southern Songs and Stories, touching on Halloween via science fiction themes and music. We did two episodes where we highlighted all sorts of ideas on bands from Sun Ra to Cool Keith, from Mars Volta to Gong, and referencing many soundtracks along the way. Two very lively and fun conversations to tip our hat to the Halloween holiday and go back in time to 2009. That's all coming up here on Southern Songs and Stories as we get into an outer space headspace with a little bit of the Forbidden Planet theme. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. Good morning, you're in tune with What It Is on WNCW. I'm Joe Kendrick, joined by Carol Rifkin, Fred Mills, and Jeff Eason. Today on 88.7, we're talking about sci-fi music themes. Ooh, a little-known fact is I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Isaac Asimov is absolutely my favorite author. Do they have bluegrass on Mars? <laughs> 
No, 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 no. Um, but there is some great sci-fi music in happening in Asheville, and there are a lot of young musicians out there doing the no, 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 no. No, not exactly <laughs> like that. But there's a band called Nova Echo that is doing sci-fi fantasy-based music. You can look them up. They're on MySpace, and Caleb Hanks, who does their writing for them, also recently wrote all the music for Wicked Intentions in the 48-hour film festival, which was very interesting because their theme this year was science fiction. So each short had all kinds of wonderful science fiction music, and there seems to be a lot happening with that. I watched that YouTube clip of, mm-hmm. of Wicked Intentions, and that's W-I-C-K-E-T uh-huh. Intentions. I think everybody, as soon as you finish listening to us, go, go get this up on your YouTube. The Kelatron uh, it's so was a robot, you know, and then the, uh, 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 devolves into a, a, a sci-fi croquet match. I mean, it's got everything. You know, it's, the singing, it's got babes, the Broadway it's got singing beers, scene at the end is just robots, unbelievable. You know? Yeah, in a sci-fi, but it's got great sci-fi music and a great sci-fi com- sci-fi comedy. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on that Asimov thing, and I just, I'm just waiting for Peter Jackson or some other big director to take on the Foundation trilogy. Oh, uh, why hasn't that happened? They've, 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 tried. Been, they've, they've, they've tried, and, and each time, I, from what I understand, uh, the script writers or, or somewhere along the production has just been stymied. It's almost like been insurmountable. Because it's theoretical more than visual, or I'm I'm not sure, but it, uh, what I've read is that the Foundation trilogy has just proved has just basically stymied writer after writer in trying to adapt it, because it is a pretty broad-reaching thing, far more broad-reaching than uh, Lord of the Rings. I know, but you would think it would almost be perfect for like a television series because it goes on and on and on. You could do it for a couple of years. Yeah. Going back to the music aspect oh, yeah, of science. Oh, we were talking about music, weren't we? Um, you know, I don't know why, but the band, yes, in their heyday with albums like Relayer and Tales of Topographic Oceans, I don't know if it's the Roger Dean illustrations on the, the cover of their albums or what, but I can close my eyes to some yes and just go to that other worlds uh, for some reason. I really, really think that they epitomize for me what science fiction music is all about, even if sometimes their lyrics are more about you know, more like Middle Earth type of things mm-hmm. going on. Their their music seems to evoke other worlds to me. Uh, lately, I've been going through my vinyl collection and converting a, a lot of things to MP3s, and I found that I've got a lot of old soundtracks to science fiction movies that are, that really, really hold up well. Uh, two in particular, the, the Fibonaches, who were a band from California, they did a uh, the music to this uh, um, sort of horror science fiction called Terror Vision, where and it's also a, a, a farce too. This family, they somehow um, they get a big television dish on the side of their house, and this is like in the late '80s when that kind of thing is is pretty spectacular still. And um, somehow they get a wrong feed. They get a feed from another planet. This other planet is destroying monsters and disposing them by sending them out as, as electronic emissions. And, well, they happen to unwittingly download some of these monsters into their satellite dish. It's called TerraVision, and the music by the Fibonacci's is really, really great. And the other one I would have mentioned is uh, Mitchell Froom. And this is out of print for some reason, which is strange since he is such a, a notable producer. Uh, this is one of his own albums of which he's made very few and it's it's called uh the music for the film cafe flesh and he does just about all of the instrumentation except for the percussion and it's just all over the place with songs like uh fruto prohibido and other things it's, it's almost if uh if we met aliens from south america 
that's this is what this music would sound like. A lot of those kind of South American rhythms, but just crazy synthesizers and space age noise all over the place. Mitchell Froom, the music from the film Cafe Flesh. You know, it's interesting how back in the, the say the heyday of, of the first wave of, of sci-fi films, that they did not tap uh, uh, rock bands more actively to to do soundtracks. I mean, I know there were examples of that. I believe a uh, Spooky Tooth did it was a ceremony. I think that was uh, Pierre Henry, and there was a film associated with that. But but by and large, uh, bands Pink Floyd did uh, the, the Valley, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of a sci-fi utopian type type film. But I think by and large, they their talents were not used, and they you typically use composers. So when you do come across say a, a favorite artist or something that worked on on one of these soundtracks, uh, it, it's it's great and it's a great great find. Um, we kind of came out of the hippie era anyway, so a lot of the utopian imagery and, and ideals and aesthetics that went hand-in-hand hand with uh, sci-fi themes made it a natural. So, I mean, you've got, like, say, the whole Robert Heinlein uh, Water Brothers uh, uh, aesthetic from Stranger in Strangeland that uh, David Crosby from The Birds picked up on that real quickly. And then you have the whole Paul Kantner and, and Jefferson Starship Blows Against the Empire, which is a, a, a sci-fi story in and of itself. Uh, surprised there was never a film made, uh, adapted from that album. Uh, and, and I love that album. It's got like sounds of rockets going off as, as sound effects and everything. And, and the, these images of these people looking for a, uh, a, a kind of an idyllic place out in space and everything. Um, we can't leave out Ziggy Stardust. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Both yeah, the Ziggy David Stardust Bowie. album and yeah. the Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs. Yeah, because then you get into the dystopian stuff with Diamond Dogs. 1984. Yeah. That, yeah. that sort of, yeah, that totally bleak future that is somehow, in a way, in science fiction, is a little bit more appealing than, the, like you said, the utopian or the mm-hmm. the idyllic type of future. Um, I, I really like the, the uh, pair of albums that Walter Carlos, who is now Wendy Carlos, uh, recorded for, for Kubrick for films, the 2001 and A Clockwork Orange, where he really kind of married classical music and, and using classical music themes with the Moog synthesizer and some uh, space age music. And that's some really good science fiction sounds there. Clockwork Orange had the most dramatic music in it. Besides the use, the intersperse of classical, I don't know that any movie has ever impacted me as much, besides giving me nightmares, mm-hmm. of as Clockwork Orange did. And talking about some film mm-hmm. soundtracks, check out Event Horizon. You've got music from Orbital along with the London Metropolitan Orchestra and uh, uh, one of my favorite flicks and some some. Definitely some chilling music to go along with it. Well, when we get to the the techno era and uh, a lot of the synth and sampler pioneers of, say, the early 90s, that was a natural fit to to use their music in these films as opposed to what I was talking about a minute ago, say, the more progressive rock artists and everything. There's a lot of thought, too, that says that the intersection of sci-fi in music is is kind of the geek factor and, and like a lot of harry palm guys uh, sitting around you know talking about their favorite scene in in a star trek movie and everything I, I, the feeling is that uh all, all all apologies to our sci-fi female panelist here carol but uh it's i think the feeling is that the ladies just don't get it is, is that true is there a, a dearth of female sci-fi fans in, in your frame of reference i think that's a myth I think that might be a myth. I think so. I think, but you might be true that there are more male sci-fi fans than than uh, 
female, uh, but I'm not sure. I think that might be a myth. Do, girl, um, do girls sit around quoting each other in Klingon and, and stuff like that? <laughs> no, but I think it just takes a different um, perspective. You know, uh, I mean, we're just looking at the maybe the, the Barbie dolls are, are female Klingons. And Barbarella dolls. Uh, yeah, they're probably whatever. I don't know. No, I think that might be a myth, really. But I do think that a lot of the young rock bands are incorporating um, not just a sci-fi thing, but uh, it's only recently that I've really heard the use of the term fantasy, sci-fi and fantasy recently um, as part of a, a big thing where they're playing straight rock and roll, but they're also doing their sci-fi fantasy thing, which is kind of incorporating all that dreamy kind of stuff that you can do with electronics that maybe is, is a, a relatively recent thing that you can do. A lot of music has sci-fi themes running through it. You can point to almost any form of music, even reggae, like Lee Perry, going on over into funk and obviously rock and roll. Maybe not so much in acoustic music, but definitely there seems to be a concentration of sci-fi themes in certain kinds of musics. And say, for example, surf rock, you know, you had the Ventures doing the sci-fi theme. All of their records were a theme. But back in the 90s, you had an indie group, Man or Astro Man, a very surf rock influenced band that were a lot of fun. I got to see them perform once. And, and they, they dressed up in space wow. outfits and they had everything. The space yeah. outfits. Wow, they had the EVAC computer as a backdrop, this sort of homemade sort of giant computer looked like something out of Forbidden Planet. And so you wonder where is the greatest concentration of science fiction theme in, in what sort of genre of music. And I would I would bet it would be the, the young male sort of demographic. Well heavy heavy metal though, would right. be heavy yeah. metal would be the poster child for this. I mean you, from the LP sleeves to the uh, thematic elements in which they uh, metal particularly is prone to dystopian mm -hmm. uh, themed lyrics and apocalyptic stuff and, and, and then bringing in elements of, of governmental oppression and uh, conspiracy theories and everything. And then you, then you have kind of the pro progressive metal acts like, say, Mars Volta and Coheed and, and Cambria, who definitely have a futuristic bent to to the the stuff that they portray in their lyrics um so that's sort of what i was getting at about the it being kind of geeky and male centric because it, you kind of picture uh, a lot of these same guys you know listening to mars volta albums and then going off and playing a, a round of dungeons and dragons yeah uh, going back to what carol was saying about the fantasy aspect there's this band from raleigh a young band called the annuals and a lot of their stuff is really dreamy with synths and and all different kinds of instruments and if you go onto youtube and look at some of their videos they've uh, incorporated a lot of anime animators mm -hmm. to, that make the visuals for their dreamy soundscapes and it just fits together really really nicely uh one of my favorite bands that that, that delved into the science fiction thing was bebop deluxe because not only did they have the science fiction bent, but it was an older version of the science fiction bent. They went back to Metropolis oh, right, right, and, yeah. and uh, for influences and uh, back to the old 50s uh, science fiction movies. So they were talking about a future that was no longer in our future. It was sort of like a past version of our future. You're absolutely right that the, uh, when I looked on Nova Echo's website, because I just loved the music and wanted to go hear it, they do have a very anime, light, you know, cloudy, drifty, pretty perspective that I hadn't seen before, the young, early 20s kind of. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's like write what you know, it's maybe play and see what you know, and that would be the world that they uh, came up in. But it does, as Joe was talking about, the, it's not usually acoustic. It, Sci-fi music does seem inherently electronic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of lends itself. What do you think? Email us what it is at wncw.org. Some of your favorite reference points for science fiction themes in music. 
For Public Radio, I'm Joe Kendrick, joined by Carol Rifkin, Jeff Eason, and Fred Mills. Until next time. That episode of What It Is in May of 2009 brought in a lot of email response. And by the way, the way I put the show together was that I would take Fridays over to the email feedback, read that live on the air with, say, Kim Clark, our former program director here at WNCW. So we had a hit there and wanted to do another one. Didn't have Carol along for that, but it was just Jeff and Fred and coming up. We'll get to that What It Is episode, which is more focused on rock and roll. Now, one more note about the piece that you just heard. It was 12 minutes, and I looked back over the show notes, and it was edited to fit within one episode. So one day, it was about a five- or six-minute episode is what I would typically make. Sometimes I would fudge and go a little bit over, but it would have been edited a lot. But then it was podcast later. And you can find those What It Is archives in the show notes. Now, keep in mind when you look at that on the blog page, it's going to begin where I left off of What It Is on WNCW when I went down a lot of other rabbit holes. I would have collaborations with IMAVL, for example. I had archival interviews that I brought up and posted there. And then I had new interviews, and that lasted until August of 2014. But if you really dig around in that archive, you can find all of the old What It Is episodes. Also, a note about Jeff Eason, the late, great Jeff Eason, my friend, and the anchor for so, so many episodes of What It Is, often with Fred Mills. There is a Remembering Jeff Eason episode of Southern Songs and Stories from July of 2018. It's worth listening to. On another note... Southern Songs and Stories has been listed as one of the top 20 Southern podcasts on Feedspot.com, which is a like basically a giant search engine, a reader for more than podcasts. I think that's pretty cool. Coming up, one more conversation about science fiction themes and music from back in the day on what it is. Good morning, you're in tune with what it is. Today we're talking about science fiction themes in music and especially rock and roll. Well, in, in the 1950s, uh, science fiction and science fact was all the rage in the public and there were plenty of really good films uh, like The Day the Earth Stood Still. And I was going back and trying to find the first real reference of science fiction in rock and roll and, and uh, came up with The Flying Purple People Eater. And Fred just said there's one earlier than that. No, uh, Flying Saucer Rock and Roll by Billy Lee Riley. This Cool rockabilly song from 57, and then the Purple People Eater was the next year. 
And they seem to be influenced by the fact that Sputnik, the Russians launched Sputnik in that year. And so I guess that was one of the reasons why science and space exploration was in the public mind. Well, people were getting really crazy about flying saucers and everything at that point, too. And the Purple People Eater definitely references, you know, this strange colored creature. Is it an alien or whatever? Yeah, that paranoia had been building since the 50s. Whenever the Russians got the bomb is when a lot of real paranoia started and when Sputnik went up, of course, it made its appearance in a lot of forms of music other than just rock and roll. But you've got everybody from Sun Ra doing the whole outer space pageantry of, of all of... Sun Ra was from outer space. <laughs> he, he, he said that he was yes, from outer space, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And on down to folks today like Bela Fleck, who's had a couple of albums with that sort of theme, UFO Tofu and Flight of the Cosmic Hippo. And the uh, Apollo moon landing seemed to really capture the interest of a lot of musicians as well. I remember uh, one of the first two singles that I had uh, in the early 70s were David Bowie's Space Oddity and Elton John's Rocket Man, and they both kind of had that sort of theme of what it would be like to be an astronaut out in space and the sense of alienation. Well, you know, even uh, earlier than that, the psychedelic era and the counterculture seemed to lend itself not only to mind expansion in a chemical form, but, you know, in a metaphorical form. You had a lot of bands exploring utopian fantasies. I'm thinking about, say, Paul Kantner and Jefferson Starship's Blows Against the Empire, which was sci-fi and utopianism all rolled into one. And then you had, oh, get into the Prague era, bands like Gong, who Mm -hmm. practically all their albums were about sci-fi themes. And again, the utopian, uh, dystopian themes as well. Hey, who can forget the lyric? And they call me the space cowboy. <laughs> Actually, I'd like to forget the lyric, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've got a weak spot for in the year twenty in the year twenty five twenty five by Zager, Zager and Evans. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also interesting to me how some of the synthesizers that made these space age type of noises were developed about that same era as the Apollo missions, and they started making their ways into movies like Arthur C. Clarke's movie Space Odyssey, yeah, yeah. two thousand one, and then. After these bizarre sounds that, uh, say, Walter Carlos and some of the early electronic musicians were making popped up in these movies, that then they made their way into albums like Brian Eno's Before and After Science. Well, all praise to uh, the late Robert Moog, too. Uh, we wouldn't even be having part of this discussion without his pioneering work. So you're right. The, the music, as the technology developed, it seemed to lend itself to... You know, the, you know, the bleep bloop kind of sounds and everything, mm-hmm. and they could elaborate upon it. Another early pioneer of that sort of theme, Joe Meek. And mm-hmm. we have in our library the compilation, It's Hard to Believe yeah. It, The Incredible World of Joe Meek. Uh, Telstar. And Telstar, the best-known tune, one of his best-known productions, going back to when was he more active in the 50s? That was even earlier. The early 60s, yeah. Early 60s. Yeah. And I'm sensing some more of that electronic uh, experimentation coming back in popular music. For a few years there, say at the height of Wilco, everything was acoustic, everything was sort of traditionally based music, especially from radio stations like WNCW. But now I'm hearing more of the uh, groovy electronica kind of creep back into those same artists that were going strictly acoustic just a few years ago. Well, even in the early 90s, I remember when the rave scene was so big in England and it crept over here and, and you had... A lot of electronic artists, say uh, Aphex Twin, uh, Future Sound of London, who really excelled in creating these kind of soundscapes that were very futuristic in tone. And again, something you said, uh, Jeff, because they had the technology to make these kind of way out sounds, for lack of a better term. I know. You can't imagine what say, that a band like Yes would be like if they hadn't developed these keyboards just a few years before. 
this theme is in a lot of forms like we were talking about earlier. And just for this segment, I went digging through my collection and just through my meager album collection, which is really only some hundreds mm-hmm. of, of LPs, I found everything from Naked Ray Gun, which is the Ray Gun theme, bands like a flock of seagulls oh, who can yeah. forget a space age Joe, love you song always bring up flock of seagulls <laughs> heroic doses with the space theme on their cover the band u.s saucer mm-hmm. doesn't sound anything like space well you remember uh, Klaatu? Like we talked about Klaatu in a few segments back i believe and and, the, and their whole first album i believe was on on space themes one of your favorites jeff cool keith oh yeah hey. i went this out Doc Elvis, <laughs> lost in space yeah. from cool keith well, there's some uh, contemporary bands that could be called prog, like Mars Volta, Coheed and, and Cambria, and they definitely get into elements of, of technology gone astray and, and dystopian themes and civilizations on the verge of crumbling. T-Bone Burnett's new album, mm. Tooth of Crime, is all about this kind of futuristic space cowboy rock and roll parable cosmic dystopian theme. And some of the more sort of the other sounding parts of Wish You Were Here really kind of lend themselves to sort of like a sci-fi movie with the space doors opening and closing behind the band. Everybody gets into their spaceship every once and again. What do you think? Email us what it is at wncw.org, and we'll come back at the end of the week and highlight your comments here on NCW. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Southern Songs and Stories going back in time to revisit some favorite episodes of what it is as we touched on science fiction themes and music as we approach Halloween 2023. Coming up in 2023, there are still artist interviews from Kev Russell. It's got a brand new record. We'll be featuring him from his conversation at the Albino Skunk Music Festival, where we also talked with Nora Jane Struthers and Joe Overton as well as Stillhouse Junkies. We've got all the IBMA conversations to get to as well. Lots and lots to be done here in the land of podcasting. Hey, and while I've still got you, remember to give us a top rating and a review where possible after following us on your podcast platform of choice. For WNCW, Osiris Media, and Bluegrass Planet Radio, I'm Joe Kendrick. Thanks for spending some time with Southern Songs and Stories.